0: Welcome to a very special episode of Weisenheimer, the podcast. And uh, the reason this one's special is because we're not actually going to do any improv with it. It's going to be kind of an impromptu interview.
1: This was part of uh, when Amy Seely and Mike Ross came to visit us in Cat Piss Studios. We had a great visit with them uh, before we actually started to do the actual comedy portion. And just in chatting about... Improv and where we've all been and going, and the process itself uh, led to a very interesting conversation that we ended up recording. And we'd love to share with you, the listener.
0: And it was very nostalgic for me. I mean, I knew how great and amazing they were because I spent a lot of time with them in L.A. So it was nice to just kind of sit back and be like, Mm -hmm. ah, it's just like old times. And Amy used to babysit me. Yeah. (laughs) So I can't get much more nostalgic than that. (laughs) I
1: I was fascinated just uh, by the the teaching style that these two have. And
0: It was, stemming off what you just said, it was neat hearing their rapport as husband and wife. But then they slip into teacher mode, and then you can hear them kind of dovetailing off of one another and then playfully going back into husband and wife mode and everything. And and it, their, their passion for the craft clearly comes, comes across, I think. Yeah.
1: Hopefully you can hear in their voices just the, the true sincerity that comes along with... The love that they have for it and the skill that they have for it so although this might not be the average Weisenheimer podcast which is typically goofy funny silly uh, this would be something that if you're interested in improv and how people think the way they do and and why it's an interesting listen it was a great afternoon and we hope that you find it just as enjoyable as we do
0: so stick around
1: enjoy
2: my mother's a hairdresser yeah and I have known him and his family my entire life because mm-hmm. my mom has been doing his mom's hair for forever mm-hmm. but then she moved yeah Did she
0: moved uh, she moved about 10 11 years ago yeah so yeah. then
2: she my mom stopped doing her hair because mm-hmm. she moved but all mm-hmm. while i was growing up and when i was in high school and mm-hmm. i'd pop into the salon and and your mom would be in the chair and when i was a teenager uh it was the first time i ever babysat was for you and katie oh really yeah oh, i didn't know that yeah. That's awesome. I think, but i didn't do it very much maybe like four or five times something mm-hmm. like that you were an I growing up when i was when i was babysitting yeah. you and your sister um so that's how i know jeff and then, when I was in Chicago uh, teaching for Second City with Mike, I knew that you were studying and mm-hmm. studying improv in Chicago, and. The, the, you're gonna love this mm-hmm. the day that Mike and I met for the first time because there's tons of teachers on staff at Second City in Chicago mm-hmm. it's a big huge MC Escher style building so
1: you never know actually I it lived, lived in Chicago uh, on North Avenue and Larrabee from 2003 to 2010 mm-hmm. oh, cool. and actually studied and worked for Second City and stuff like oh that.
2: you know you know the building I mm-hmm. do so so you can go years without meeting everyone on staff sure Right. Sure. So that was the case with Mike and I, and because you were both on staff at the same time, mm-hmm. we were both on staff at the same time, and we met at a conservatory audition where we were running the auditions, mm-hmm. and Jeff hopped up on stage and introduced himself, and I turned to Mike and I said, "Oh my God, I fucking used a babyface!" Oh my God. And you made all smart choices, and you were amazing and delightful. Mm, And you got yeses from all the judges.
0: I remember after the fact you told me I was going to go to bat for you. I didn't need to.
2: No one needed to. In like the first heartbeat of the scene, bam, there's point of view. There's intent. There he is. There it's it's rocking. So Mike and I were bonding and falling in love, and you were in the room. You were there when we were meeting each other for the first time Mm. and totally connecting, and holy shit. That, Look at that. that. was the day that You're
3: happened. You're welcome. So you <laughs> thank you. All I have to say. And, and then, then... Five years later, we were both in L.A., which is where we really started dating, because we moved to oh. L.A. in the same year, the Second City Hollywood a opened. A year and so a half later. Center.
2: Okay. We, and, we remet.
3: met uh, Amy hosted a jam late nights, and uh, I would hang out sometimes, and there was a night, and I forget the game, but you... Through, she she would usually, like, if, if there were students she really liked, she would, like, let them play with teachers and, like, kind of... Pull the Set ringers up to showcase up. them. Sure, sure. And she threw Brent on stage with me, I think, with maybe... Fred. No, it wasn't Fred at first, was it? The first yeah, time?
2: Yeah, Crossroads and Tubbs.
3: That first time? Yeah, Okay. I think that, it
2: was. Uh, Yeah,
0: because that was the yeah. first time that yeah. we was, um, did a scene together and
3: we are mm-hmm. like, wow. It was <laughs> yeah.
2: playwrights option. Yeah. Oh. yeah, wow. Good and you guys rocked it so mm-hmm.
3: hard. And mm-hmm. it was all,
2: hey mm-hmm. everyone, that thing that those three guys are doing, that yeah. is that is how it should be done.
3: And then what happened was I was given like a long form program basically where I was hosting, I was directing three groups and then headlining the night and I could do what I wanted with the night and it became Cross Cross and Dubs was the headlining nice. act of that group for several years.
2: And before you know, Brent came, came to LA yeah. I went up to Fresno <coughs> to teach a imp- two-week improv workshop for Cal State University summer arts program. Fresno, Cal State Fresno was the host campus and on the very first day of the session which was a two-week session we had 46 students, three instructors, and we were teaching improv and creating material through improvisation and I said, "Well, I'm my name is Amy Seely, and I'm from Moline, Illinois." <laughs> and, and this guy went, "Yeah!" <laughs> the only person in the room. The <laughs> only person in the room. And I said, "Shut up! You've never heard of that. Shut up!" No, <laughs> yeah, Rock Island.
3: <laughs> and then she just gave me the stink eye. Yeah, I was all. <laughs> and I, and I thought, "Oh my God! I just pissed her off." Oh, I, I do you even from know Moline, this well, too. You're, you're from
1: Rock, Rock Island. I'm from Rock Island.
3: Yeah. Amy's explaining to me all about the extreme uh, geographic hierarchy of the region. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, we know. Bettendorf
2: is the diamond. Yes. It glitters. <laughs> <Yes>. The diamond. <laughs> (laughs) It's the Emerald City. We're all all trying to get up to Bettendorf. Uh, Silvas, Geneseo, Carbon Cliff, Sherrard... Town, like... They're all on the outside looking at it. They're all, they're all... They wish. Mm-hmm. That's they the, wish. Those are all the steampunk that, I mean, And that's the Illinois side. They wish they were, <laughs> were that cool. They wish they were
0: steampunk. They're the Dickensian children at the window. <laughs> yeah, they are. Of the Quad Cities they peeking are. in. Oh going
2: nice. I'm less. from Geneseo. No, get move it down there, you lot. <laughs> Please, can I have some more fun?
0: <laughs> no, you can't. Oh, as a
3: Chicagoan, this is all very charming. <laughs> are you originally from Chicago? The River Grove is where I went to high school, but then after I graduated... From U of I, I lived like in Wrigleyville, and and like,
1: you went to here. U of I. Yeah, so did so did yeah. Eric. And I lived in Chicago. He went to Fenwick for eleven years.
2: No one. Came I had to a cousin that went to Fenwick. <laughs> Fenwick. <laughs> okay. We moved like We moved
3: A step above the high school. <laughs> I went to which closed, which was Holy Cross in River Grove. Nice. Holy Cross.
2: Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah.
1: So how long have you been married then? Um, two
2: thousand four. Okay, 10 ten two o four.
1: And how? When did you leave Chicago?
2: 99
1: uh oh uh, like i completely miss you
0: big time yeah. mm-hmm. and we were ships passing in the we night too. shipped we passed
1: you, you when you left i showed up yeah. kind of thing how and long were you in chicago for like
3: 2000 eight.
2: 2004 oh wow so that's a good that's a good hunk
1: and how long so you lived in los angeles are you still teachers there
3: no we stopped teaching in 2009
1: fuck that yeah yeah. There's like that but the I teach turnover that happens, and you feel own. like,
3: oh, I'm still hanging at the fraternity. Okay. It's time to go. I mean, I get, I get <laughs> hey guys, I'm oh, here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Where's the beer?
1: Yes. Get to a certain oh. age, and something's gotta happen. Yeah,
3: you're, and you're like, this child cannot steer this ship. I need to get off. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And this institution has become McDonald's.
3: Oh. I,
1: I have heard heard yeah. Oh, I'm familiar.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've you been to Chicago? Yeah. In this? fact, Mick was my teacher when I was in the training center at Second City. Really? And and like the second week of class with him. He walked in and he said, "Hit a cigarette and his dog, and he said, uh, I signed a lease today on a building. <sighs> it was <laughs> the Annoyance.
0: On, on,
2: broad, on, uh, He's Belmont, near Belmont and Broadway. When he went to that rent, uh, that leasing office to sign the lease for the first ever Annoyance building, he said he was sitting there in the waiting room, you know, in his shitty ratty jeans and shitty sneakers and shitty flannel shirt and sitting there, like, looking all... And the receptionist, he checked in and then sat down and the receptionist looked over at him and said, excuse me, uh, yeah? Would you like something to eat? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm okay. <laughs> she goes to the vending machine and a Twinkie. Can I feed you,
0: sir? Take Fine, doll. sir. Right, money. Can I give
1: you money?
2: Bless his heart. That's
0: Do
1: funny. you have a favorite teacher? Someone that like warmed your heart, that you always have a soft spot for. Uh, um, this is a question to both, so I'm I'm looking have, at you, so I you have, have time to think. Couple
2: favorites, yeah. I had uh, I had an ama- my first teacher at Second City was a man named Don Polo. Oh. And Donnie um, Skybox. He yeah, Dan Donnie Skybox is named after Don Polo, and he was like he was a cheerleader on crack cocaine. He was <laughs> happy and explosive and positive and kind. And if somebody made a horrible mistake, he would laugh at how awful their mistake was. And he would he would say like, oh, that was, I mean, that was awful. We were all enjoying it, but it was terrible. Never do that. Oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're all going to learn from that. Mm-hmm. He would sit on the edge of his chair and watch us like. Very excited. <laughs> yeah, awesome he was fantastic. And he was like, you know, a, an elf of a guy. Yeah. <laughs> did he, die?
1: he died of cancer, correct? How did he die?
2: I can't remember. I mm. can't remember. But it was. uh,
1: Did you all didn't show up for work
2: one day? Oh really? Yeah, it was one of those awful. Mm -hmm. He he didn't show up for work one day, and he always showed up for everything with his second city
1: jacket. That Mm -hmm. was the same thing with what was it? That Mary's song. Scruggs?
2: Uh, Mary Scruggs. Mary Scruggs. She yeah, yeah, she just never woke up. But she one was day. in her 40s, wasn't she?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me see. Well, I think a lot of people and would choice. agree who have studied with Mick that he was probably one of the most consistently positive, constructive, and fun yes. people yeah. you could ever get and in a classroom. And like, just like, yes. all, like, like, useful time. Mm-hmm. Like, you're always. Learning tools and, and applying them. I had Martin DeMott and Del Close at the same time. And as interesting yeah. as it was like, <laughs> it, was like it was like, yeah, it was like Satan and, and God, like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Do Because Del was all about, you know, comedy is aggression and, you know, attack, destroy, whatever, burn it down. But Martin was a, a really good human being who taught that comedy is love and we're here to take care of each other. And we didn't do our best work in Martin's class, but we became better players. We became we became people who actually knew how to take care of each other in Martin's class.
1: More giving an yeah. Open yeah. and open to another person's yeah. choices and things. Yeah.
3: And I think having those two people at the same time was the best. Like going to one on Tuesday and one on Saturday and going back and forth from those extremes was a wonderful sort of like... Uh, way to to really learn that like you 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 go down the buffet and you take what you want from each of these people and you form your own approach. You know and that's kind of what I've always hoped others would do and never to think like oh god I know everything or she knows everything or you know everything. But well, I think these really kids just... when they're in
1: their twenties, like yeah. you said, they yeah. first they first get there. They just they think if they take as many they some kids take Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday mm-hmm. and. And they are
2: the the Bible of... And it makes sense that they're doing it, too. Because when you're in that phase of your life, you don't know who the fuck you are. Mm-hmm. And all of these teachers and instructors and amazing artists, they seem to all know who they are. And that's they and they have information for me. And absolutely, that's who's drawn to it. Especially, especially young guys who... Want to be successful at doing a thing, they are absolutely drawn to this art form. It totally makes sense why it's predominantly male-driven, um, because because men they really want to know who they are. They really want to be accomplished. They really want to be good at a thing, and wow, those guys are good at doing that very specific thing. And and I find that really interesting, especially now that the that the art form has been knocked on its ass for the last couple of years in a good way with women coming forward and and all of that that all of that that is happening in the art form i think is the relevant and, and important yeah, yeah because it, from my point of view as a teacher of 20 years men are there because they want to be they want to be the best at it okay and women are there because they want it to feel good okay and those those two things are not necessarily always uh, intertwined you know mm-hmm. beautifully and dynamically and perfectly and harmoniously and so the challenge is how do we get our men to be how do I how do we get our men to be more compassionate and sensitive and vulnerable and how do we get our women to be more um, bold and daring and aggressive in a way that is not going to terrify the men and how can the men still be strong men without being perceived as weak while they're being vulnerable so there's, there's, a, there's a lot happening emotionally in the art form. And there's not necessarily a lot of people who are qualified to be guiding these people, these students that are trying to find their footing and trying to find their voices within the art form. So the art form is, there's a paradigm shift happening. And for,
3: in for lot of us... In a lot of different fields. In a
2: lot of yeah. different fields. And for us, it's fascinating to sit back as sort of old timers and go, wow, wow, those, those yes. All those people yeah. that, were, that were getting away yeah. with all that stuff. Finally.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finally. we took it for granted. It was the context that we grew up in. It's like, oh, you just expected that your improv team was going to be 17 straight white guys and one girl that got through somehow all of the bigotry of low expectations that all of those white male teachers had put in front of her, finally. Mm-hmm. And now it's finally like, you know, I think the women are coming to the work, and not just women, but minorities and LGBT players and things like that. And they're coming having you know armed with a vocabulary of no this isn't right this there shouldn't be this assumption that that's what funny is um and it's just it's more interesting i think the work's getting more interesting you know you're seeing it certainly it's the same thing that's going on in politics and in hollywood and in all these other industries ceos everything it's like we have to just open up the map and tell everyone's stories and let everyone play and change our expectations of the work mm-hmm. i think
1: mm-hmm. i have two questions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. based on influence what you just said one is I loved what you said about how that is changing and how women are trying to be this more bold and make these kinds of choices. And where do they fit in? And, and how do we change that dynamic? And the men, this dynamic. I, my personal feeling is, we as Weisenheimer, I feel, because there is a trust, and and I don't think you can get that trust without being smaller to focus on the like we can we can focus on two other people and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I also don't think you can get that trust currently without going I choose you to perform with because I can trust Mm -hmm. I choose you Mm -hmm. so that is the rub is how to and maybe age helps Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so yeah that's the rub it's a beautiful challenge here's my next question Wait, was was that a question? That was a monologue. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. Here's my question. (laughs) Leave your
2: photo at the.
1: You said us old timers.
0: Questions are. (laughs) You
1: you guys said us old timers sit back and watch. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, you are the old timers of this art form. What does improv look like? You know, what is improv going to look like with old?
0: Let me throw this out there too. And it's not old. You know what I mean? Tell Mm -hmm. them your fifty rule.
2: Then I'm gonna quit Mm -hmm. at fifty. Well, okay, that's a choice that you
1: can yes. make. Okay. And at this moment, at this moment, <laughs> I feel like a couple of things. People that I have seen that are older, they get... They either pigeonhole themselves, or they get pigeonholed, and they, in stop, the way they, they stop
3: learning and growing. I have an observation that sort of connects both things that you're laying out, and yes. I think that that first point is you. You know, you talked about getting to that point in the work where I say I choose you. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's discr that, that's that's uh, discretion and wisdom and your artistic voice emerging that mm-hmm. you earned. Mm-hmm. by doing all those crappy shows with all those crazy people who didn't know what the hell they were doing in front of mm-hmm. a live audience mm-hmm. of drunk people who were insulting you. that like, You got to that point where you can say, this night. is what I want the work to be. And... You found
1: the question in there. Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah,
3: But um, <laughs> but to, And then to build it to, like, well, what happens when you're you know, 40, 50, 60, what are these people doing? Hopefully, you're taking these tools that you've learned and you're being a lot more discriminating and saying, no, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this because this is what matters to me. And maybe I'm not playing around in four or five different groups. I'm actually mm-hmm. taking the work and doing something that's more meaningful to me. And now for some people, they just want a club. They just want a place to play. It doesn't, you know, they don't think about it that much. It, it's, it's their bowling night or whatever it is. I don't judge yeah, that. Yeah. But for me personally, it's not about playing everywhere anymore. It's about mm-hmm. I'm doing this project because this particular relationship is meaningful and creative and productive. And I think there might be something valuable that comes out of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know? And and. You know we've been teaching college students on college campuses in California, and that is mind blowing and so rewarding. And that's how we stay on our toes. So I don't need to be live on stage at I O every Tuesday at eight p.m. Please, mm-hmm. please, please come see my show. Come see my show. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't need that in my life because I did that in my twenties um, before the Factory Theater was born. That's what I was doing. That too. I was studying everywhere and trying to get on stage a thousand times a week, and. You know, I'm a grown ass lady woman, and I don't I don't want to do that. I want to spend time with my husband, and I want to spend time with the people that I choose to be creative with. Because, mm-hmm. like Mike said, I earned that, and I can say no to things and guilt free. And then when I say yes to things, I 1,000 percent do it. And for me, um, working with college students has been like such a wonderful breath of fresh air because they're sponges they're baby ducks they they literally follow me around in a single file (laughs) because there's nothing else to do in turlock california but hang out with amy seeley and riff and do bits and now all right now get up on stage and and it's real and that's and that's and that and they're learning they're learning the version of the art form that i wasn't necessarily taught with every teacher that i had so they're learning. They're learning the tenets of the art form that I have defined and developed for myself, that I find to be true and honorable and sacred. And so I'm sort of like, Mu-ha-ha-ha. I'm building an army of lovers mm-hmm. using using what I know and what I wish I had gotten. And now this is my chance to to do that yeah, it get, shifts to quality exactly it yeah. was about quantity and yeah. it had it was supposed to be about quantity because you're learning right. and you want to soak in as much information with as much Two different back, people as improv? you can <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and then you get to a point where you go oh now I get to play with who I want to play with I was recently I recently met with a former student of mine and she's was putting together an all female improv group mm-hmm. and she'd had a negative experience with putting together a female group And everybody, you know, of course, went crazy and had angry text messages that were 700 miles away. Wait, what? I know. What? I can't believe that the women ruined it. Um, Oh, my God. Or got emotional. Oh, my God. Or took themselves too seriously. (laughs) Oh, my God. Or panicked. Oh, my God. I think I know these women. (laughs) I know this group. Wait a minute. Women teams are extra challenging.
3: I I enjoy them. I prefer them sometimes. I, I don't... Yeah. yeah, it's a different set of yeah. challenges. I think. I, I think you could say. But I with mean, any group, no. it
2: depends on who's on who's in mm-hmm. who's on the team. My point with all this is, she jettisoned that group and decided to do have a do-over, and she's handpicking people that she feels safe with and comfortable with, and people mm-hmm. that are positive and responsible and accountable for their behavior and yeah. and all of that because she can. And and some of the people she wants to work with are my former students, whom mm-hmm. I love and adore and admire, and. And so, yeah, yes, these people, these people, and she mentioned oh, another woman's name, and, and her face did this. But I also have this person, and I said, well, tell me about this person. Well, she's really this, and she's really this, but she's really this and really this. And I said, look at what your body is doing. Feel what your face. Feel yeah. how your face is is in reaction to that person's just thinking about that person. Don't Do you? I said do you want to rob a bank with that person and she said no and i said but you want to bro- you would rob a bank with all these people oh yeah mm-hmm. absolutely and i said then that's our bank robbing team <laughs> that we're gonna put the heist together that
1: person no they're <laughs> not gonna be on our team for the big heist so then do you believe that there are bad choices in improv oh yeah okay
3: but it's subjective. It's totally subjective. You have to. Choose, I mean, you, you know when you made one, <laughs> but that's, it was bad for you. It you work.
1: know how Contest. some people say there's no wrong choices. Oh, fuck that person. Okay, <laughs> what? Uh, well,
3: I understand where that's there coming no from, though. I mean, like, well, I understand. Like you have to, you have to say yes to whatever it is. You just crapped out. You have, okay, to, you have to, you have to, hold to build head on head it right. you have to plant a flower in that little <laughs> piece of poop but <laughs> but that's how yeah. that's how you succeed as we play but it's also okay to walk off stage after that show and go I made that choice tonight I don't want to make that choice again I'm going to oh, become a better player because next time I'm gonna start with a flower instead of with the poop, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing of like, yeah. but if you make that choice, if you
0: have two people who take that mistake uh-huh. and can twist it into something that works,
3: sure, sure,
0: that's the thing of there's no mistakes in improv. Mm-hmm. It was a mistake, but uh-huh. you had two p- teammates who were able. To get you out of that fuck up and and turn it, it into was something like and a, save it.
3: Yeah, it was a mistake opportunity. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Yeah, it was
2: it was, was an opportunity to learn and change and grow and maybe do a different thing next time. Awesome. I think sometimes we're so we so micromanage every choice that we're making, every choice that our partners are making. We're sitting in the audience. We're micromanaging, microanalyzing every choice that everybody is making on the stage to the point where we're, we're not even improvising. Yes. We're not even in the moment. Like a boulder could hit us and we wouldn't even notice it because we're so busy.
1: What is my choice?
2: What is her choice? What is the choice? Choice, 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 choice. Sometimes just fucking just everybody exhale. Everybody take in a breath and look your partner in the eye and be in the present tense with them and just do it. And then... Also, yeah, try to make the best choices when you're making the choices that you're making. Right. And try to not be so crazy obsessed with the choices that you're making when you're making the choices that you're making.
1: What I meant by 50 and quitting is... that. <laughs> oh,
2: no! Wait, is this a question? No, it's okay. not. But uh-huh. I meant
1: by oh, 50 and quitting is... is I, don't that want to wear, I don't want to wear a uniform when I'm improvising. I don't want to stand in a line and do mm. hurdy-har-hars. This is a personal <laughs> thing, so I'll try to make it fast. Is I, I just am concerned that by doing y- you know, Yuckity Yuck, Come See My Show, for mm-hmm. 25 years, that I m- had blinders on, and I missed opportunities to become art, to grow into something wow. else. That's a different so, thing. It's, that's, that's, a different that's not thing. stopping. That's
3: that's growing. So that's we've changing, done a two-person,
1: yeah. because that's a challenge, and we still do a two-person. And Weisenheimer, mm-hmm. even though it's in year four?
3: Four and a half, mm-hmm. yeah. Four and a oh.
1: half. We have elevated now with, with Brent.
3: You're you're, you're finding a, a new to way hear. to say yes to yourself and your own creative yeah. voice as you move into the next yeah,
2: chapter of yeah. your creativity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you recalibrate your intention now. Yeah. Every time you step on stage, is tonight the night your, your focus is character? Is tonight the night your focus is emotion? Is tonight the night your focus is surrender to whatever your partner offers you? You recalibrate your relationship to the art form. Yes. Because we're never going to be 20 the 22 year old ever 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 again
1: thank god ever. oh god no no she was pink. a jerk sally may mm-hmm. yeah no no
2: one needs that yeah so how are how how can we approach the art form in different phases of our life well we we take a moment and we figure out what is what do we need from the art form you know i'm in the phase now in my four in my mid-40s where i'm using the utilizing the best possible parts of myself and the best possible parts of the art form to influence people and people who are 18 19 20 years old and i and my thing with the art form is it is healing it has healing powers it has healing properties and that's how i'm introducing it to these young people who are um suicidal they're cutters they're they're having serious gender issues and questions and the art form, whether it's improvisation or sketch comedy or learning learning how to write through improvisation, that is actually saving their lives. Do you, you see people? Like do you their, get placed with
1: them or are they their, just in
2: your big pile? They're just they're just in the big pile. Okay. Yeah. They're theater majors or they're communications majors and they're just, you know, oh, there's it's a workshop thing with this person. So mm. they just kind of
3: And the work gather. kind of invites out whatever's going on with each individual. So yep. people people yep. play out their demons and their shadows and and you get really good material out of that, and then you have to deal with the human being who dumped that out too. Yeah. So it can, yeah, and, there, and there are times when it's too much, when it's like, oh, this actually isn't, it's, it's not a healthy place for this person anymore. They actually might need a professional help. But a lot of it, like 90% of it can get processed out and they you know you can work through an issue through writing a sketch about it, improvising about it, doing a monologue about it, whatever mm-hmm. you know however you choose to express. That
0: happened a couple times with me. I don't maybe it was summer arts. I don't I feel like it's happened a couple times. I don't know if it, but where we've had to stop
3: class before people
0: just completely mm-hmm. breaking down.
3: Martin used to like to say, we, we invite people to be five-year-olds again, and then we have to deal with who they were when they were five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, we invite them back to that creative space where it's every, everything's OK, it's safe to play, it's safe to let it all out. And then as a teacher, you realize, oh, shit, now I have this in the room. Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> you know? do I or... yeah. yeah. And when yeah. I was a student and I was witnessing that, because I started I started taking classes when I was 18. And so everybody in class with me in Chicago, they were all like 10, 15 years older than me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm a little kid. Um, <laughs> And I remember observing moments where people were oversharing or where people were becoming violent or whatever crazy was coming out. Their shadows selves were were getting dumped out. I was observing moments where the teachers did not know how to handle that. Oh. so it was ignored or pushed aside or and I kept I, I remembered all of those moments and I thought, Somebody should call that person out for that, and it can't. Uh, it can't be me, cause I'm nineteen and I mm-hmm. don't know nothing about nothing. And then, when I came into my own as a teacher, I remember like one of those first moments of somebody flipping out, and it had nothing to do with anything on stage. It had everything to do with the stress or trauma of their life that they weren't dealing with. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, now I'm the boss. You're now, and this is my moment oh and i have some tools and i can actually help that person and protect them and protect the class and we can continue moving forward and learning how to write skits and do improv and and it can be healing for everybody in
3: the room can just say how happy i am to be saying <laughs> right let's let let's let's never not be podcasting never <laughs> let's never end this you guys-
1: I was actually very excited to discover because I grew up in Dubuque that Dubuque Dubuque.
2: Na na for a tender and lean.
1: Na na for a meal or snack. Supreme. Get the right pack. David
0: Duke once was
3: here.
1: D U B U Q U E spells Duke. The meat for your family. That's
3: the canned ham town, right? Uh
1: The canned ham town. Now, but House Tyrell. How are you tying Dubuque into Game of Thrones? Oh, check this out.
0: Oh, you just. The author.
1: In the late 70s, was a professor at Clark College. And, and tu- House Tyrell. are our. Yes. House Tyrell Tuha-17. is all about Dubuque. Loris. Sir Loris. <arguably> Loris <laughs> uh-huh. College, Dubuque. And I have to research more than that. But it's <laughs> all about Dubuque. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute.
0: I have a good authority. I am. That one character was named Christian, and there's a Christian school there. So, boom. Boom. <laughs> Did you oh, know that three. every couch
2: was named after Davenport
0: Island? <laughs> boom. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
3: Davenport.